0: You know, the Bible is full of promises. It's full of important things that we need to know. We need to learn the Bible. So many times in life, people are so eager to read a newspaper or a magazine, or they have bestsellers, and then they read the New York Times bestsellers, but the Bible is the all-time bestseller. It has not only the richest And most beautiful words and language and everything. But it's God's word. It's God's holy word. And He has a message to speak to us every time. Not just when we hear a sermon, but when we have our devotions at home on our own. God speaks to us through His word. And it's very, very important. And Paul, in writing to Timothy and Titus, these two young men who were serving the Lord in the church, he mentions four faithful sayings that are very, very important for us to know. There's actually a fifth one, but we're not going to cover that one, but we're going to cover four of them in these next two Sundays. Today, two of them, and then two next week. And the two that we're going to cover today is, number one, Christ came to save sinners. And number two that we'll cover today also, we live and endure with Christ. And then next week, godliness is profitable for all things. And number four, we must be careful to maintain good works. The fifth one, if you're curious, and I know you'll be curious who the, what the fifth one was, But the fifth one is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1, which says this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop or elder, he desires a good work. So this only applies to men who are aspiring to be elders. It doesn't apply to every single person. So we're not going to take that fifth one, but we'll take these four. Dr. Charles Garfield once said, not everything that counts can be counted. Not everything that can be counted counts. Everything written in the word of God is for our learning, for our benefit. And these things that Paul mentions when he says these are faithful sayings, they're very important for us to take heed to in our lives. So the first one is, in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, Christ came to save sinners. It says... This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I cannot think of a better verse as we begin this Christmas season that Christ came into the world to save sinners. Because all of us are sinners, he came to save each and every one of us. I love the verse in Isaiah chapter 1, or excuse me, 6 and verse 8, that says, and this is prophetic by the Lord Jesus Christ speaking, it, and the Father speaking to Him. It says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me." The Lord Jesus was the heavenly volunteer. He volunteered for the mission to come to save sinners. He knew he was the only one that could do it. He was the only perfect one, the blameless one, the holy one, the sinless one. And he came into the world to save sinners, just like you and I. You know, the Bible says that he did not come to save the righteous, but to bring sinners to repentance. It says in Mark chapter 2 and verse 17, those who have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Pharisees, their biggest problem was they never looked at themselves as sinners. They saw themselves as better than everybody else. They saw themselves as righteous and other people as sinners. They called the tax collectors sinners. They called the the prostitutes sinners. They called the people around them, the common, ordinary people sinners. But, oh no, we dress in long robes and we're righteous And He came to bring them down to size and show them that all have sinned. And as it says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. We're all sinners. And that's why Christ had to die on the cross. If the law was sufficient to save us, we wouldn't have had to have Christ come down and die on the cross for us. But because it could not, the law was weak in that sense and it pointed condemnation at us because we could not keep the law. We couldn't even keep part of the law. And we needed Christ. And Paul said in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands, no, not one. And until you come to that place in your life where you see yourself As a sinner, you can't be saved because you don't see a need for it. And that's why Jesus, when he's talked in Mark chapter 2 and verse 17, if you're well, you don't need a physician, right? How many patients came into your doctor's office, Rudy, when you were practicing? They wouldn't come in as well people, right? They came in when they were sick, when they needed you to, to help them. And a person has to come to the end of themselves and look at themselves in the mirror and says, I'm a sinner. I need Christ. And when you get to that point in your life, you can be born again and you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's such a blessing. The Lord came down here to seek us. He came down here to love us. He came down here to show what God was all about. And He came to die on the cross For our sins. You know, we were so lost, so lost. It's one of the worst feelings in the world if you're lost. Whether you're driving a car, whether you're walking somewhere, whether you're in a store, and you get lost, and you just you've lost all your bearings, you don't know where you are, you don't know where your car is. Have you ever (laughs) I think we've all gone through this, right? you go out to the parking lot and you see this sea of cars in the mall. Where did I park my car? Where did I leave my vehicle? I can't find it. I have no clue. Well, nowadays we have these little things, right? You just take this thing and you just press it and all of a sudden your car goes off and you know where it is. You find it. But there's no worse thing than losing where your car where your car is parked. Or even worse than that, losing your keys. How many have misplaced <laughs> their keys? I mean, uh, all of us at one time, we've misplaced our keys, and then we find them and say, wow, there it was there all the time. Or worse too is losing one's wallet. If you lose your wallet or your purse and you have all your important credit cards, all your cash, all everything is in there, It's just a terrible feeling, right? But it's even worse to be lost in God's sight. Lost in sin. Separated from Him. Needing Him. And that's why it says in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is in connection with Zacchaeus that little man that climbed up in the tree. And the kids are always familiar with this story because they learn it in Sunday school. And we've had many sermons on it over the years. And it's so true. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the great shepherd. And He came down here to find us, to bring us back to the Father, to save our souls. And He left the 99 and went after that one lost sinner. And I thought, Lord... I'm that 99th sheep. I'm the one that was lost. We can all say that. We were all that lost sheep. And if there was only one sinner in this world, Jesus would have still come. He would have still suffered on the cross and gone through all of that for just one. He cares about every soul. Every soul is precious to Him. When someone dies without Christ, it brings him great agony. But when someone dies in Christ, it's such a blessing because he's bringing them home to heaven. Yes, on that first Christmas, God gave the best gift that he could ever give to us. The gift of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know, we've all received gifts over the years, whether for a birthday or Christmas or whatever it is. And sometimes the gift is so special that we almost don't have words to thank the person for giving it to us. And that's how it is with the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an indescribable gift. How do you describe the fact that Jesus Christ is in our hearts? He's saved us. We have eternal life and we're going to be with him in heaven. There's no greater gift that you can give and no greater gift than you can receive. Jesus paid a huge price for us when he died for our sins on the cross to bring us forgiveness. And Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul was saying here, in other words, if God could save me, a blasphemer, a persecutor of Christians, a murderer of Christians. He used to round them up and take them off to prison and do terrible things to them. And yet, he says, if God had mercy on me and saved me, he can save you. Yes, and we as Christians are examples to people in the world today, ourselves, because he saved us. And if he could save us he can save our neighbors he can save our coworkers he can save our friends because the same blood that was shed by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross covers every sin past sins present sins and future sins all covered by the blood of Christ that is so amazing to have that true In John chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. It's not enough just to know that Jesus came into the world. It's not enough just to know he went to the cross. But we have to believe in him and receive him as our Lord and Savior. We all have kids and we have grandkids and we want them to be saved so bad. And we all have people we love in our families. We want them to be saved so badly. But we can't force anyone. We have to let God do the prompting by the Holy Spirit to bring them to Christ. But we have to be available for them. Did you ever wonder why Jesus had to die? Just look in the mirror. Because of me. Because of me, Lord, you had to go to that cross. Because of me, you had to suffer, Lord and bleed, Lord, and die, Lord. But he did that for us, and he rose from the dead, and he's promised to come back, and we thank God for that. Yes, Jesus was born as a baby. He grew up as a man. He died on the cross as our Savior, and the question is today, will you receive him as your personal Savior? We all have to make that decision, from the youngest to the oldest, and we have to make that decision for Christ. So that's our first faithful saying. And isn't it a great faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Secondly, living and enduring with Christ is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 13. Through, through 11 through 13. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. This ties into the first point very well. Christ died for our sins. And now, we have died with Christ. When He died on that cross, we died with Him. We died to the old life, to the old sinful nature. We died with Christ. And when He rose, we rose to new life. And now we have the blessed privilege every Christian, the blessed privilege of living with Christ, serving Him, honoring Him, believing in Him in all things. And it's a faithful saying, if if He died with with Christ, we shall also live with Him. And we live with Him now, but just think how it's going to be even better when we get to heaven. We're going to live with Him, not just during this life, which sometimes is very short, and sometimes is very long, but it seems that way. But life is very short compared to eternity. It's funny because the other day I got this uh, magazine in the mail, Christian Missions in Many Lands, and I didn't look at the cover first. I look always at the back because I like to cut out the poem or whatever, and sometimes i put them on my wall and keep them there and different things, and they're very beautiful. Well, this one was very special. And I got so excited because I said, Wow, this is a great poem. It's about somebody that turns 100 years old. And I said, I would like to live to 100 years old too myself and serve the Lord all this time. And, I, and it's beautiful. This poem goes on and on about all the things, preaching the gospel all over the world and different things. And then I realized when I turned the magazine to the front cover that it was talking about the magazine had just turned 100 years old. It wasn't about a person. It was about a magazine. But I said, Lord, I can still apply it to myself, right? And we can can serve him whether he gives us a 100-year life or not, whatever it is. We can serve Him. And it's a beautiful poem. If you get a chance to see that magazine on the back, read that uh, one about 100 years because they have served faithfully Christian missions in many lands for 100 years. Yes, He died for us, and we live with Him each and every day of our lives. One of my favorite hymns is called One Day. And it says... In the chorus, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified, freely forever, one day he's coming, oh glorious day. Yes, it's a beautiful thing. Christ died on the cross as our substitute. I found an amazing story. I'd never read this story before, but it's it's a true story. During the Civil War, a man by the name of George Wyatt was drawn by lot to go to the front. Like we have a draft, right? A conscription. You have to go into the army. You don't have a choice. He had a wife and six children. A young man by the name of Richard Pratt offered to go in his place. He was accepted and joined the ranks bearing the name of George Wyatt and his number. Not long into the war, Pratt was killed in action. The authorities later sought again to draft George Wyatt into service. He protested, entering a plea that he had died in the person of Pratt. He insisted that the authorities consult their own records as to the fact of his dying in identification with Pratt, his substitute. Wyatt was thereby exempted as beyond claims of law and further service. He had died in the person of his representative. There we have the truth of identification in a nutshell. God's way of deliverance through death, through identification with our substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. And then Paul goes on to say, If we endure or suffer, as it says in some versions, we shall also reign with him. When we suffer for Christ and suffer with Christ and endure trials and endure tribulations and difficult experiences of life that seem sometimes overbearing, how can we handle this, Lord? He says, if you endure, you shall reign. And we are going to reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10, And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Did you ever stop to think that you and I will reign with Christ over this world? It's going to be amazing. And it even says, We shall judge angels. That's how precious we are to the Lord that He puts us into that kind of responsibility. It's amazing. And it is a wonderful thing. But then He goes on to say, if we deny Him, He will deny us. This is a warning, a warning to everyone, to every believer. Don't deny the Lord, don't deny Him by your words. Don't deny Him by your actions. We can't. It says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32, the Lord Jesus speaking to His followers there. He says, Therefore, whoever confesses Me before men, him I also will confess before My Father who is in heaven. Verse 33, But whoever denies Me before men, him I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Some people think that you, if you deny the Lord, you can lose your salvation. It's not true. It's not true because that goes against everything the scripture teaches. We have salvation full and free, and when we're truly saved, we have eternal life and we cannot lose it. We can lose rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. That's what we... When we deny the Lord, He will not give us those rewards that we would have normally had. So it's amazing. And it says in First Corinthians chapter three and verses twelve through fifteen about the different rewards that there are. He says, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hair, straw, Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. Some Christians will get to heaven by the literal skin of their teeth. They will have no rewards. They will make it, though, because they're saved by the blood and they will not be left behind. But how sad it would be when all the Christians are getting the rewards and they don't have any rewards because they've suffered loss. It's been burned up. It was with bad motives. It was with the wrong attitude and they are not going to receive the rewards. But denying Christ is a serious thing. And I was thinking of this a couple of days ago. We can't play games with God. We see people doing it all the time. They come to church and then they go home and live a different lifestyle, a different way. And it's like it's so sad, and they're playing games with God. They think God doesn't know what their life is like. He knows us from the inside and the outside. And yet, so many times, we can fool people. We can. We can fool our parents. We can fool our spouses. We can fool our families. We can fool our friends and, and co-workers. We can make them think we're godly. But down inside, it's not the case. And so we have to be very careful. Let's not play games with God. And then he goes on to say, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Isn't that so encouraging? There are times when we are not as faithful as we should be. We're faithless. He said to the disciples on many occasions, Oh, you of little faith, why did you not believe? They were out on on the sea and And they were worried about their dying. And they said, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? And he says, oh, you of little faith. Yes, so many times we can be faithless, but he will always remain faithful. He's been faithful to me all my life. All my life. He's been faithful to you all your life. We can look back on our lives like that footprints poem where we see the footprints in the sand. And all of a sudden, there's two sets of footprints, us and the Lord walking together. And then comes across a time when there's only one set of footprints. And the man says, Lord, why would you have left me? These were at the very hardest points of my life when it was really rough. And now there's only one set of footprints. Why did you leave me during this time, Lord? And they said, my child, my child, I will never leave you. It was at that time when you were at your worst, when things were as bad as they could be, that I picked you up in my arms and carried you. There's only one set of footprints. And those footprints are the footprints of Jesus as he carries us over the roughest and most extreme and difficult times of life. I think this pandemic has been one of those times. He's carried us through it. He's brought us through it. Every person here can thank the Lord that He's taken care of us and helped us through the most difficult times in our lives, and we're so thankful. So let's thank the Lord for these two faithful sayings today. Number one, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Can't we rejoice and thank Him The reason he was born into this world is to save us from our sins and give us eternal life. He takes us as sinners and he turns us into saints. I love the transformation, the metamorphosis, as it were, of the caterpillar to the butterfly. Just recently, I mean, Taylor, she sends out these beautiful uh, things on Facebook. She takes a picture of the flower with the butterfly. And it's so beautiful. Well, sometimes you have to remember where that butterfly came from. It didn't start off as a butterfly. What did it start off? As an ugly caterpillar crawling along. And then God, in his miraculous creative and redemptiveness, he took that caterpillar and turned it into a butterfly and made it beautiful like we sang in the, in the, recently in the worship team. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. He made you a butterfly. He took you from the caterpillar stage to the butterfly stage. And now we're beautiful in his sight. Yes, He died for our sins so that we could enter into heaven and be His people forever and ever. Yes, if you're here today and you have never received Christ, you've never thought about it before, you've, or you've put it off, today is the day to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. He'll change your life forever. All you have to do is confess that you're a sinner, That you need him. That you believe that Jesus died for you on that cross. And that through faith in him you'll have eternal life. And be with him forever. Yes, when Christ died, we died with him. And now when Christ lives, we live with him. And we fellowship with him. And we're waiting for the time that we go to be with the Lord in heaven. And when we endure, we reign with him. If we deny him... He will deny us. If we are faithless, he is faithful. Oh, we're so thankful for these four faithful sayings. And next week, we're going to have the next two, which is, godliness is profitable for all things. And we're going to see the difference between bodily exercise and spiritual exercise. And then be careful to maintain good work. Shall we just... Close in a word of prayer. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we're thankful for these faithful sayings that the Apostle Paul wrote. When we get to heaven, we're going to meet the great Apostle Paul. We're going to be able to spend time with him and talk with him and all the saints that lived in the Bible days as well as in other times. And Lord, we're so thankful for your word. And we pray, Lord, that we will be good students of your word. We will learn the scriptures and we will apply them in our lives and be obedient to you. And serve you until the time you say, come up hither, come up here, and be with me in heaven. And so, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for all you've done for us. Please take us home safely today, and we just rejoice in you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.